1510 WMEX Quincy Boston and 101.1 FM W266DQ Quincy WMEX Quincy Boston streaming at WMEXBoston.com and on your smart speaker just say play WMEX The greatest hits of all time are back this is the all new WMEX WMEX Boston Legacy Legal Live Hosted by Kendra O'Toole, Michelle Reed, and Elizabeth Caruso of Legacy Legal Planning is a show about discussing your estate plans, options, and answering your questions. Call in at 781-834-9639 and start your lifelong partnership covered by benefits that you've earned through proper legacy planning. Now here's your hosts, Kendra, Michelle, and Elizabeth. Good evening, everyone. We welcome you to join us tonight on Legacy Legal Live. I am Michelle Reed. And I am Kendra O'Toole. And Elizabeth Caruso is not with us tonight. She is off to warmer climates, and we are jealous. We will do our best to hold down the fort tonight. Uh, This is Legacy Legal Live. We are three estate planning attorneys from Legacy Legal Planning. Our office is in Norwell. And we love all things estate planning, elder law, and probate. We've been with you now since, what, October? October. Yeah, it's it's, uh, been every Wednesday. We've enjoyed our time here, and we've had some interesting topics. We focus a lot on estate planning, on the documents, and really kind of the fine-tuning details. But tonight, we're going to go beyond just the documents and talk a little bit about things that go in place in along with your estate planning. We'll say it once, we'll say it twice. It's be more than just the documents, and it's it's so much more than that. We really firmly believe in in the absolute meaning of the word legacy, not just on paper, not just a definition, but everything that we do to create a legacy that surrounds the documents. So we're going to kick it off. Kendra's going to tell you about a little fun thing that we're doing uh, at our office and with our social media. And so as Michelle mentioned, legacy isn't just about money and the assets that you're leaving to loved ones. It really is about the mark that you're putting on your loved ones, your family, the community, maybe your profession, um, whatever that may be. And so we decided this year that we want to give people the opportunity to put down their legacy in writing. We are doing a legacy journal prompt every week on our social media. That's Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn. Um, Our handle is at Legacy Legal Planning. You can find us by just putting that in the search bar. And each week there will be on Tuesdays a video with a prompt to write in a journal about your legacy. So it's going to get into things of memories, maybe things that you did as a child, crushes, favorite movies. We have funny stories. (laughs) Right. So really a full, you know, synopsis of kind of some things that are meaningful to you for your legacy to leave to your loved ones to read. Um, So we encourage you to listen to that and participate and share your thoughts in a journal and to leave this journal for your loved ones. So this week's prompt that we have, it is already posted up on our pages. And on our Instagram, there is a way to, there's a highlight that you can click on to see all the stories if you want to catch up at some point. But the prompt is, write about a holiday mishap that you still laugh about today. Did somebody 
burn the food, drop all the food? Did an animal eat the food? Was there a gift mishap? What's something funny that happened during the holidays that you still laugh about today? The intent of this is to have fun with it. And again, you know, in your will and trust, we can't necessarily leave these stories in there. These documents are meant to be very black and white, very legal as much as we possibly can. So these these things can sometimes be left out. So uh, we thought we'd have some fun, give you an opportunity to leave more than just paper documents. So get a notebook, get a journal, something that will allow you to have about 50 weeks worth of these prompts. And they can be a, a couple of sentences or, you know, if you really kind of a flowing with the story, it's it's free writing and it's really just meant to be passed down to your loved ones to to read and, and maybe some th- learn things about you that they didn't know. I'm going to share my funny story. <laughs> so when my grandmother was living, uh, so I'll actually back up. We have a humongous family. I have 30 some odd first cousins. We have second cousins. It's, it's go ahead. I, make your I comment. have one first cousin. <laughs> So we have a very large chaotic holiday scenario every single year. It doesn't matter what holiday it is. There's there's talking over one another. You're lucky if you have a spot to sit and and you might not even see everyone in your family. But we used to pile into my grandmother's very tiny split level home every single year for Thanksgiving and Christmas. One Thanksgiving, again, amidst all the chaos, the food everywhere, everyone giggling, laughing, talking over one another because nobody lets anybody finish a sentence in our family. Um, All of a sudden, you know, more people are piling in the door as you go and a family of four walk into the door. And the way that the house is set up, not everybody sees you right away. So uh, these folks come in and they're joining, joining in on the conversation. And, and sometimes you might, we might bring family, friends and things of that nature. So you might not actually know everybody at the house at one point in time. Turns out these people were in the wrong house. <laughs> so they were just chatting it up for several minutes with my family and everyone kind of looking like, do you know this person? Do you know this person? So uh, we, we enjoyed a, um, a, a nice mixed up <laughs> with a t- totally different family. They belonged in the house next door. So that's that's been a funny one in our family. And it's an ongoing joke because, you know, had had no one, they could have just stayed and frankly, someone might not have even noticed. <laughs> <laughs> like you said, our intent is to have those funny stories passed on, but also the really caring stories. You know, I know when we were cleaning out my grandparents' home and going through stuff, there were pictures that we were like, oh, wish we knew who this was. We're not, you know, they weren't labeled. And my my mom did her best to name the people she could, but there were lots of people that she didn't know either. And we found, you know, um, uniform from military service for my grandmother's father. And like just to know a little bit more about his time in the service and stuff just would have been really interesting and definitely something I feel that I missed out on a little bit. And so I think that this is a way for you to be able to not just maybe your memories too, but memories about your parents or your grandparents to really have your loved ones learn about the family. Yeah, and there's a beauty in social media because you are able to stay connected to so many people that normally would probably, you know, frankly, sort of slowly find their way out of our lives. Not everyone is on social media, though. So uh, these these journals are, are a really beautiful way. I mean, even even one generation skip, there's so much that 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 goes missing. Um, and it's it's important to to preserve that. And I'm thinking what we can do to continue forward with this for the year two is we can say the prompts each week. 
on oh, here. Oh, yeah, that's a good idea. And remind so that us. Way, call in and remind <laughs> us if we forget because we'll that, add it into the mix, but right? we'll try. That way we try to put it in each radio show so that if you don't have the social media, you can use this and you can always go back and listen to our episodes on the WMEX website under Legacy Legal Live. So if you did miss a week, you can go back to hear the prompt and to be able to leave your legacy as and well. We'll try to be good about doing it at the beginning and the end, yes. but you know, we're human, so give us some time. We'll throw it in there. <laughs> All right, so let's jump in a little bit in regard to, you know, talking about, as you mentioned, that importance of comprehensive estate planning. We've done a lot of talk over the weeks of healthcare proxies and powers of attorney and trusts and wills and what really establishes an estate plan, but really your legacy and your estate plan is so much more than just those documents. And so we kind of want to get into a little bit of that holistic approach that we really think of and talk about with our parent with our clients we're not we are not versed in the all the ins and outs of life insurance or financial advising that's not our role but we want to be sure that we're guiding our clients to be thinking of this holistically working with either their you know financial people or cpas or anything like that or connecting them with people if they need that as well. Um, so we really do try to take a holistic approach of estate planning and not just look at just the documents in our, we think that we're just one leg of the stool. We are not everything that encompasses it. So we really try to help our clients to put that together to have a solid plan. Yeah, to give you some things to think about, again, the the legal black and white paper documents We'll, we'll say it over and over again. They are extremely important. They are vital. But here are some of things that we think, and it's not an exhaustive list. We only have an hour. <laughs> um, but here are some of the things that we think you should be thinking about in conjunction with your estate planning um, it, and, and making sure, again, that the holistic term, it, we tend to use it a lot, but it, it really this really does kind of round out everything that that we might be thinking about in terms of lifetime and incapacity and legacy and all of those things. And the first one that tends to go underutilized, under-discussed, and frankly, sometimes not even thought about is, is, is open communication with those that you love and those that might be involved in your estate plan in one way, shape, or form. I think that's really an important one when you're doing estate planning. I'm not necessarily saying that everyone needs to know your business. Yeah, we don't need to air all the dirty laundry. Right, of of what you're, you know, what you're doing or who you're deciding to get certain things. But at the same time, a family conversation and open communication about your plan can do a lot of things. First, it can make your family aware of exactly what type of assets you have. If you have bank accounts, where are they? I've had clients that I've had to tell, we'll just have to wait and see what comes in the mail for the next six months because they had no idea where the accounts even were held. And that is now something that we can't really even tell clients because so many people do paperless statements. And if they don't have access to the email or login for the bank, they're, they're not going to have any idea of what accounts are actually there. So open communication about what assets you have. Again, you don't have to say, oh, I have $50,000. And it's going to you, Susan. <laughs> right. But have that open communication of here's the banks and here's the financial institutions that we work with. 
And even having open communication relative to sort of the, the larger picture, your goals, your ideals, things that you, you are hoping are incorporated into your plan. And open discussion and communication doesn't necessarily mean that you and your loved ones are on the same page. Um, someone can certainly disagree with you, but guess what? It's your plan. Um, you know, if we're, if we're planning with a spouse, sometimes having the conversations ahead of time you're on the same page, but your plan doesn't have to look exactly the same. Uh, there's lots of flexibility when it comes to estate planning, even between spouses. So while a lot of things certainly do mirror one another, having an open communication between your spouse of, well, here's how I feel about how this asset should go. Um, and lots of times when we have blended families, um, that's, that's a significant discussion because again, you might have different ideas going into your estate planning meeting. And if you come in at least knowing, hey, this is a hot button for us, we might have to chat about this. And you know, if your plan does differ in one way, shape or form, everyone's aware of it. And, and it's, it's been something that, that doesn't come up when you're not here to speak for yourself. Really, as you mentioned, that intent, too, of your estate plan of why you might have left assets in a certain way or to certain people or why you might have felt the need to appoint one person as your healthcare proxy over another, explaining that intent and having that those conversations with your family really takes back the issue of somebody feeling some resentment of why wasn't I chosen or misunderstanding and then that causes tension between siblings or you know nieces nephews whoever the people are that you're appointing and so just having that conversation about intent can really make it a smoother process in the long run and also won't harm relationships because unfortunately we have seen where estate plans can harm the relationships between siblings when the intent is not expressed and it's not again not something that we can really put into the trust because a lot of times intense very personal and we're not going to write a three-page yeah know, these documents are not really meant for ambiguity right and so having that intent isn't meant to put in a trust in black and white it's really meant to have those conversations with your loved ones so that they understand why you did your plan this way and then it just is a lot more ease for everybody in the future. Yeah. And we realize, you know, all of our clients are very different. Their communication styles are different. Their openness is different. And, you know, their their sensitivity buttons are different, too. So we have some clients who will come into our conference room and, you know, they're, they're laughing and joking, saying, oh, yeah, I told my family over dinner last night exactly what I want and how I want it to go. And if you can't do that for me, then I'm naming your sister. So, you know, if you're that type of family, that's wonderful that you can have that discussion very bluntly uh, and openly. And again, it's only going to serve a purpose. Everyone everyone has laughter involved in it, but everyone's on the same page. And then if you're the family who's, you know, a little bit, you know, th these types of things are not top of mind. We don't joke about them. Um, you know, there's different ways to to kind of get them, get, get the family involved. And as much as we say you don't write this in your trust or in your will, you can put together a personal letter of intent if you don't want to have that conversation um it's still i do think actually talking about it makes it even easier the letter of intent people still don't fully understand um whereas when someone is having a conversation you see you just pick up on general you know body language and tone and you don't get the same in just a written letter but if you are not the type of family to really have that conversation and you feel uncomfortable 
at least put something in writing to say, this is why I chose the certain people. This is why, you know, my assets are being distributed this way to just ensure that it helps tone down a little bit of that resentment that can come up sometimes, unfortunately. And a lot of it, it's not people think, oh, it's just about the money, but it's not. People don't understand of, well, why were they picked over me? So sometimes just a simple explanation of, oh, well, you know, he he's a nurse. And so that's why he's the healthcare agent. That's enough. But people don't always look at it or think the same way that you are at the time. So having that letter of intent can make a big difference. Yeah. And, and actually, right along the lines, great segue, Kendra, <laughs> speaking of healthcare decisions and things of that nature, we talk a lot about healthcare proxy, healthcare proxy, healthcare proxy. And in Massachusetts, that is the leading document the only legal document that allows you to name someone to make a healthcare decision for you should you become incapacitated. We don't talk as much on this show about living wills and, and, and sort of outside memo type directives or letters in that regard. Um, you know, lots of folks feel it's a very personal decision about what their wishes are for end of life and, and different types of decisions. So again, depending on what your wishes are, you've got a legal document naming someone who has an authority but giving them some further guidance in conjunction with that legal document through something like a living will. We've talked about some of the medical forms, um, the most, and, and DNRs if you, you know, if you have a chronic illness, you know, th- those sorts of things. Um, those go in conjunction with, and you can leave your own personal letter, memo. You can do it by way of living will. Uh, we, I won't dive too far into it, but just know that in Massachusetts, the legal healthcare decision-making document is the healthcare proxy, not the living will that might be different in other states, other jurisdictions. So these types of, of you know, continuing on the sort of memo dynamic, these are sort of some useful things, especially when it comes to healthcare decisions. And there's some things out there that, you know, we have had some clients bring in that they've filled out, but they hadn't like signed it or anything yet and asked us to look over it and act as witnesses. Some of you may have heard of five wishes where you can get into, you know, what your specific wishes are in certain situations. And so there are things out there to put these wishes down. And again, some people talk about it. Some people are very clear with their family. Don't let me, you know. (laughs) Yeah, this is, we get the most uh, jokes in this area. If I'm, you know, for lack of better terms, if they say, if I can't communicate or tell you Mm. anything, like, I don't want that life. So just let me go. Other people are, nope, do what you can to keep me alive. If, you know, if that means broken ribs or CPR and whatnot, do it. Depending on, unfortunately, the older you get, the more frail and the worse that that does to you. Um, (laughs) But it's these conversations that, can really make a difference and also make it easier for that person making the decision because they know it's what you want. Yeah, and and, and even these forms with the with your doctor, you know, um, they're they're getting better and better about filling these. Form. Before it was just sort of here's the form, good luck. <laughs> now you know it is a conversation with your doctor and going through some of these medical based forms. Uh, so we, you know we're we're getting better. Apparently, we're going a little darker because the next one is talking about funeral and burial <laughs> and how that... Well, listen, some of us go dark and some of us say this is a time for celebration, right? <laughs> and it should be. <laughs> Absolutely. We have... I, I think Liz may have shared this story, so I'll, forgive me if I, if I blunder it, but she's got a client who, in, in his documents, um, has been very specific about certain things. I'll, I'll change it for confidentiality, but let's just say he's got a party... He's got funding for said party, and he's got a guest list. So, you know, this sort of stuff is... <laughs> wait, 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 wait. Let's roll, roll that last part back. 
there's somebody out there that said, no, no, no. Part of my estate plan is that there's going to be a party so outrageous that it requires payment prior to passing. Oh, travel expenses paid. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Travel expenses? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, wow. we, we are all for that. Those are the types of things we're really excited to draft. <laughs> Actually, sounds like a pretty fun time. <laughs> are we invited? I don't know. Are we on the guest list? I, I just want to say. Be, we might be able to sneak ourselves on there. No. <laughs> some, some of the funnest nights of my life started at a funeral. <laughs> I'm just going to say. I mean, we talk so much. You know, we're we're very um, attuned to this these discussions. So for us, of course, they come very easily. But we are genuine proponents of celebration and honoring and i mean it's in the name legacy is is you know it's so much more so we love this type of stuff and this is where you are talking about the legacy they left you know usually somebody's speaking he was a party gun (laughs) right it really is though i mean you are talking about the impact that this person has had on so many lives and it really leaves that legacy and so talking about what you want and whether it is a full service or if it's just a small get together at a restaurant, a big party at a at an event venue, we want queso, right? <laughs> Whatever it might be, that really needs to be laid out so that they are honoring what you want. Yeah, and it's- some realistic options is um, you know pre planning these things. Now, as Kendra mentioned before, we are not the experts in planning a funeral. But we are also a resource to say, okay, this is if this is something that's important to you, then you can pre-plan these things. You can, you know, find a, a space that that fits you, that's appropriate, that that whether it's funeral home or you know some other type of, of service provider, you can pre-plan these ahead of time and and be very specific about it. Uh, and that way, for two reasons: one, you know, darn sure that your wishes are are set in contract stone. And um, we're also taking away any question from those that are our our, ex- our executor, personal representative in Massachusetts, or the folks who are coming in to step in for us. They it's already planned out. They don't they don't have to make any decisions based on what they think you would want because you've already done it for them. And I know, know Liz touched on this in one of our past episodes um, that now with pre planning a funeral, if you're pre paying to a funeral home, those funds are held in a like state fund so that if that funeral home shut down, um, you can use those funds at another funeral home of your choice. So you don't have to have that concern of what if this place goes out of business? I've now paid for my funeral and now my money's gone. And so there is now, you know, set up structure within the state to prevent that from happening. And uh, another thing, again, in conjunction with the physical documentation that we talk so much about that are so important, planning for those that are dependent and and relying on us. We talk a lot about guardianship for minor children, and that goes hand in hand with the legal documents. We put that in certain places to make sure that um, if you or, you know, your children have minor children, having that discussion about who's stepping in legally for that care. But then sometimes, and we've mentioned this before in some previous episodes, um, pets, they can be left out of planning. And it seems like, you know, you folks don't get to them. And they're often, you know, unfortunately, in our state, they're treated like property as opposed to loved ones. 
And I think that's another thing that the conversation can go a long way. Um, I mean, my brother and sister-in-law and their kids, they have two dogs, two guinea pigs, a cat, a fish pond. And so that's a lot to take on for somebody if they were to leave their pets all to one person. The two pigs alone will keep their hands full. Can you hear the worry in Kendra's voice? Are you the designated person? (laughs) (laughs) You take care of them anyway, right? (laughs) I do. I do. But it's it's so important. Uh, and, and also, I mean, geesh, some of these animals, they, they have their own personalities, right? They have very specific things that they someone t- coming in to take care of them would need to know. Um, you know, I grew up with dogs my whole life, and we just lost ours in the last couple of years. But, you know, one of them wouldn't eat if you didn't put the food in the right spot in the right way and feed her. The, so it was, you know, they they're, sometimes they're more particular than our darn beneficiaries. And also financially, you know, if you're leaving yes. your pets to somebody, you want to be sure that either they are in a financial position that they can afford it, or maybe you provi- provide for you know, money to go to them to help with the care because you don't know what can come up with the food and supplies they need. But then if they're dietary, any restrictions or anything change, medications, vet bills, that all adds up quickly. And the person might not actually be in a position to afford it, even though they might love your pet so much and want them. It could be a financial burden for them. Yeah. And from the legal perspective, we can create pet trusts where, you know, this money isn't just handed over to the caregiver necessarily, but there's someone managing it. So if the caregiver needs funds for medications and things of that nature, it's there and available. So you don't have to worry about someone who's not in that financial position to care for them. Yeah. And there's many ways to do it. Like you mentioned, the pet trust or sometimes somebody might just give a gift of, yeah, I'm giving $5,000 to Susie for also taking my dog, Mm -hmm. you know, and that gift might lapse if they don't take the pet. And so it's not just a handout in that sense, because they are taking on a love and responsibility for that pet as well. I can only imagine the look on everybody's faces. What do you mean grandpa's entire estate has been pulled from us and the entirety is going to spectator number three over here? As long as they take care of Fido, they get $3.4 million? You're kidding. We have yet to have to really argue, uh, you know, any sort of probate drama. But, uh, you know, that's on the list for Liz. <laughs> we haven't had quite that extreme yet. But there are cases that, yes, people have left their million-dollar estates to just their dog in a pet trust and, and for that benefit. We'll look up a fun one for a future future show and, and talk about it, too. I feel like there should be a wait list for that kind of oh, thing. Oh, yeah. I am standing by. If somebody wants to leave their entire estate to taking care of their dog, I will be that person. So I think that's really a good spot to kind of take a quick break. We want to encourage you to please... Call us in with your questions to 781-834-9639. You're listening to Legacy Legal Live on WMEX. Zipprint Centers of Randolph is the premier one-stop custom print shop that proudly serves the WMEX family. Posters, postcards, and more, their on-site printing experts are ready to turn your project into a work of art. WMEX uses Zipprint Centers of Randolph exclusively for all of our printing needs, and you can too. Call today at 781-963-2250 or email at info at zipprintcenters.com today. Zipprint Centers, 781-963-2250. 
Avram Angels Foundation provides dignity and fun for people of all abilities. And on behalf of their family to yours, thank you for helping make life's memories worth remembering for everyone. For more information and volunteer opportunities, visit promangels.org today and sign up for your next memory-making adventure with Prom Angels. Welcome back to Legacy Legal Live on this chilly Wednesday night, WMEX Boston. We are Legacy Legal Planning. Michelle Reed. Kendra O'Toole. And Elizabeth, again, is in warmer climates, and we are jealous. Um, Tonight we are talking about Beyond the Legacy, and uh, we just wrapped up a little bit about talking about planning for pets. So if you missed the first half of the show, definitely check us out on the WMEX website at Legacy Legal Live. And um, so we talked about pets before, and now we're going to go on to the digital world, which is always a fun topic for everyone. It's sort of a love it or hate it situation. So we talked about our legal documentation that everyone needs, but then going forth with some of the things that go in conjunction and often get missed, and a lot of it can be in the digital space. And digital space is such a hard thing. Um, there's so much out there lately that the the um, what's changing is passwords. You know, they're always adding more stuff for you. You need to add in an exclamation point, you know, a, a capital letter, a lowercase, whatever it might be. And so every time, and some of them, they require you to change your password every two months, six months, whatever it might be. And so it's becoming harder and harder to track all of this stuff. And their terms and agreements that are coming into play are really just putting an issue with people being able to just put in a password anymore. You used to be able to, oh, I know my mom's password. Let me go onto her bank account. And that's just not happening anymore. Yeah, and we talked about it a little bit more in depth before, but you know, sometimes you can get in some trouble for, for doing that after the fact. You know, the companies are really cracking down. So part of the thing that you can do for your quote unquote digital legacy is making sure that people have legal access to things. We've talked about this quite a bit, but everything from your cell phone, uh, you can go right if you have um, an iPhone. And we joked about, you know, if you have a droid, we have no, we can't help you. We don't know. (laughs) But, you know, if you have an iPhone, you can go on and create a legacy contact. You can keep your passwords uh, in some place accessible. And um, so in in that regard, those sorts of things. We talked about password books and things of that nature. So, oh, wait, sorry. I stopped there because I think we might have a caller question. You don't have to stop on our <laughs> behalf, but yes, we do have a caller on. Uh, Mr. Bell out in Mattapan has a question for the ladies. Go ahead, Robert. Yes, uh, I plan on leaving my home to two of my grandchildren, and I'm trying to figure out how, what kind of will I have to make to keep them from having to pay state and federal taxes up the hill. So in regard to you know state and federal taxes and trying to minimize those, I would advise that you definitely do meet with an attorney. You're going to have to, it's not just going to be your home that comes into play, but an attorney would have to look at your complete asset picture. 
Um, in oh. Massachusetts, if you have over $2 million combined of everything, that's life insurance, home, bank accounts, that then does become taxable if you're over the $2 million. And mm-hmm. so they would be able to advise you based on your assets of what type of exact trust plan um, may be best for you to help minimize taxes if you are in that in that area, or they'd at least be able to, if you're not in a taxable estate when it comes to estate tax over that $2 million, then they will be able to advise you of how to ensure that you're passing on to your children and helping them with capital gains tax in the, in the future to help minimize that as well. And a trust in receiving um, a home by inheritance gives mm-hmm. your loved ones a step up in basis, which is a big savings for capital gains. Okay. Thank you. Thank you so much for calling in. That's a great question. Thank you very much. Bye. Thank you very much for listening. At a Metapan. All right. And as I mentioned, you know, it is important as we, we try to give as much information here, but this is really state based in Massachusetts when we're talking. And also you do need to speak with an attorney about what plan will be exactly the best for you. Um, there are, you know, so many ways that we can help achieve one's goals in regard to taxes or probate court avoidance. But to do that, we do need to see the whole picture. So we, we try to give the best answer to have you feel that you at least have some guidance of where to go and some more questions to ask. Um, but you definitely need to get that advice from an attorney that really focuses on estate planning and can help direct you in that right route. Yeah, we say, you know, we're nosy for a reason. We want to take a look at your entire picture, A, to make sure that we we have all the information we need to advise you properly. Sometimes something that you might think could be potentially insignificant actually comes into play uh, and, and could change a dynamic. So thank you for your call. We appreciate it. Keep the calls coming every week. We're here. <laughs> and we don't want to make things more complicated than it has to be. So if estate taxes are a non-issue, we don't want to do an estate plan, ta- a estate plan that actually thinks of the tax if the tax is never going to be an issue. And so we, we try to make this as simple as possible for you, for your loved ones. So we never want to overcomplicate a plan without having that full picture. Yeah, I think a lot of the things that we say is, you know, simple means something different to everybody. So we, we love to say foundational. You know, what, what's the foundation and where do we kind of need to build up from there? What's necessary? What are we looking at in the future that could potentially come into play that we do need to think about and potentially have some, some flexibility built in? But absolutely right. So the next item that we're going to talk about a little bit is specialized items. And I know we've talked about this on some of our other shows as well, um, but considerations for distribution of heirlooms or collectibles or family treasures. I know that um, I am in an organization that has some different jewelry and special items that will have minimal meaning to you know, some other loved ones in my family or or to my friends. And so ensuring that things are left to people either in the organization or to the organization itself ensures that people are receiving it that understand what it is, that will want to pass it on in the future. And, and really, it's important to think of these types of items and to not just have them be either thrown in a dumpster or sold on eBay and being specific with who you want to receive just because you 
your family may not want them doesn't mean that you can't put in your estate plan, in your trust or your will, that these specific items are to go to person Y. You don't have to leave money to everybody in your estate plan and you can leave just a few items to a friend that might be in that organization yeah that's a great point to bring up i think a lot of times when we're when we're doing planning folks um feel very much to the point where all of my stuff has to go to the beneficiaries that are getting the bulk of my estate right um and so it's important to to make note of what you said kendra that this one person might be receiving one physical item from the estate. No money, nothing else, just one physical item. But giving the flexibility to have that in your estate plan is 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 really important. I have a client who, um, she is a sound healer. And so she has all of these extraordinarily expensive tools for her, her, um, her profession where we joked and she said, you know, I don't want them going, you know, into the, you know, into the, into the, the trash or used as a salad bowl. <laughs> they, they have a different purpose. Um, and, you know, when we're, when I'm, she's explaining what they are and what they're used for and we're looking them up, these things actually have significant monetary value. And she wants them to go to um, a, a, another colleague of hers and to make so, so he, while that colleague is not receiving anything else from her estate, she's making certain that they're going where she wants them to go and they're going to be utilized in a way in which she wants them to be utilized. So we do this through something called a personal property memorandum. It's a boatload of gibberish for, you know, a legal document that we can also create and make sure that we, we have that stuff itemized. You can also put it in the bulk of your, in, writing your documents too. So there's, there's again, flexibility there to where you want to leave these items. Or frankly, sometimes we'll, folks will want to give them away while we're still here. And that also just brings up the conversation again of intent and communication of why you're making certain decisions. Um, You know, if your family views something to be of extreme value, but you want to leave it to that colleague that, you know, is going to really make use of them, having that explanation and intent of, you know, you want your legacy to be there for those sound bowls to be helping other people heal and that's what she would be doing having that kind of written down and in place for people to understand of why you're doing that really does make the difference especially with these personal heirloom items because they can could they do usually cause the biggest issues that we see when it comes down to disbursements and who's getting what especially if you're not listing out who's getting certain items that that causes even more issue of I want this. Well, no, mom said I can have this or, you know, they just start fighting over who should have it. And then it also becomes a question of value. And then there's appraisals and that costs more money. And it it just goes down a rabbit hole of just trying to figure out who gets this one item that does have sentimental value, but may or may not have actual monetary value. Yeah. So a suggestion that we give is kind of take a moment and think about these things. What would I want to go to a specific person? Um, what would I want to go to someone either, you know, if, if I'm gone, but my spouse is still here, would I want this item to still go to this individual? Because frankly, my spouse doesn't want my handbags. I'm speaking from personal experience here. Um, so things like that. So taking taking a moment as part of your planning 
to think about those sorts of items and what you might like to, to do with those. And then you can go into your estate planning meeting equipped with those decisions. So shifting gears from sort of personal items into more of the the more obvious, I guess, sort of relation to, to estate planning, which is not necessarily documents, but most folks will obviously think these go hand in hand is sort of the financial side of things. We talk a lot about it in, in our world with, you know, funding your trust and let's take a look at your assets and make sure things are aligned. But, you know, there are things that we are not the experts in that do go hand in hand to help with your estate plan in one way, shape or form. And I think one of those things is life insurance. So many um, people have life insurance. A lot of people that we do work with that are now retired, maybe paid off their home, they may not have life insurance because many times it is for the purpose of, you know, covering a mortgage or, or a lost income, a lost wage earner if something happened to your loved one. So sometimes as people retire and get older, they either lose their life insurance that they might have had with their company or they just no longer need it. And so life insurance is good for as long as it's for what you need it for. You know, it's not for everybody, depending on where you're at in life. Um, But it is something that can ensure that your loved ones, if there is still a mortgage on the home, and more so with couples, married couples, and, and maybe children and whatnot, ensuring that they don't have to worry about that mortgage payment. The life insurance could pay off the home or at least make a decent dent in the mortgage there to bring that down. And also it can, one of the things on our side in regard to life insurance and um, Robert had asked about estate tax, that is one of the questions that we ask most often is do you have a life insurance policy? Because many people, and it's it's you know knowledge out there that, Life insurance is tax-free to the person that's receiving it. That's the beneficiary. That is true. But it does get lumped into the entire estate tax calculation in Massachusetts and federally. So if you have a, you know, million-dollar policy and then you have a home that's worth a million dollars, you're now over that $2 million mark and you're in a taxable estate. So the death benefit does get added in for your taxable estate, which is why we need that full picture. And life insurance does get counted into that, even though it's not taxable as like an income to the beneficiary that's receiving it. Yeah, and so some tips in terms of the life insurance that we we find... um Checking your policies. Again, Kendra mentioned some of the work-based policies. If you're retired, we're not, they're, they're no longer available. But if you have policies that are what we call independent, um, oftentimes we get them when we're a little bit younger and we get a, um, a large death benefit term policy. So we see a lot sometimes that, oh no, the term's expiring. So kind of checking in on those, just, just like you check in with your financial advisor, they're probably doing the legwork too. But if you have these independent policies, they're not with your advisor, double checking on the term. Is it expiring soon? Um, Lots of times it is not financially uh, logical to convert a term into a whole. (laughs) You're going to be very surprised at the premiums there. So checking in before these things expire to see if you need to sort of make some shifts and, and do some other planning and move things around. Perhaps you don't need the life insurance anymore. Like you said, there's no mortgages, no minor children, that sort of stuff. But at incorporating this into your yearly review along with your estate planning review is is also important. And with that yearly review for your life insurance, double checking the beneficiaries. Yes. Especially if you are widowed, if you lost your spouse, a lot of times in that moment people are thinking about, 
what did my spouse own? They owned the car, there were bank accounts, their own life insurance, whatever it might have been. But then a lot of times people don't realize and, and think so much about, wait a minute, what about my assets that I had named them as the beneficiary? So those need to be updated. And if you're still married or or if you know that you've already named beneficiaries, it's crucial to check that you have backup beneficiaries. Just in case something happened to your primary, you want to be sure that you have backup beneficiaries on there and to always kind of get a letter from the company that says this is who your current beneficiaries are. You can always just call up and say, can you please send me a confirmation of beneficiaries right now? Then they send that to you in a letter and you can see who they are and yep, that's exactly what I want. That's perfect. And store that letter away because we've seen it where they've changed computer systems or they've been bought out by another company and somehow those beneficiaries got dropped. Yeah. And some food for thought for you. Uh, lots of times we have clients who are either parents of minor children or grandparents of minor children. And it's a beautiful notion. It's a beautiful thought. But they have minor children named as their contingent beneficiaries, their backup beneficiaries. So we won't dive too far into that in this show, but just point of note that there are better ways to uh, make a minor beneficiary the recipient of those funds, typically through trust planning. So we'll go into that in the future. Or if you have specific questions, by all means, contact our office directly at 781-971-5900. But just a point um, to note there, if when you are getting this confirmation of beneficiaries, if you have minor children on there, it might be time to check with your estate planning attorney um, for, for better options. There are many times where we do trust due to the fact that it's minor children yeah. that are receiving. And it might be grandchildren, might be nieces and nephews. It's not always, you know, younger people with minor children. We see it all the time where, oh, this generation is doing well. We're going to, you know, plan for others. And so a trust plan can really help achieve those goals and not have court involvement. And some things that go overlooked but come up, of course, after a loved one is no longer with us is uh, debts. Um, what happens to the debts? Who's responsible for the debts? So kind of keeping a pulse on, you know, on the types of debts that you have, um, who would have access to contact certain companies. Some of the sort of trickier things that we see oftentimes are, are some of the things that people overlook. Car leases, for instance, that's those become a bear. Each one is its own beast. And I, I've had clients that said we just left the car at the dealership and quickly left like not not advising <laughs> we, that. we left but on foot so we didn't get they didn't far. know what to do and like they they weren't getting anywhere and and I was like I did not advise them on the situation so luckily I was not involved in it they were telling me the story after of what they did but yeah leases are a big one that a lot of people have trouble with because yeah. there's different clauses in there that might still say even if the person passes away the amount still owed or the term is still going to continue so you really need to be careful and, and read those contracts before you're signing that lease yeah and d you know debt is debt everyone in one way shape or form might have a little bit we're not saying anything against having debt we're just saying if you have it you gotta you want to make sure that you're planning for it uh it, it, whether it's leaving someone with enough information and legal authority to reach out so for instance if you if you don't have someone named to, to contact these companies on your behalf that you know they have to open a probate and and so if if um, you do have a car lease, perhaps there's an authorization with with the company too that you can provide. So there there are little things there. So it's just something to, to make note of. 
run through your debt. What do you have? If something were to happen to you, incapacity or death, what would happen to that? And also just keep in mind co-signing. If you did co-sign or you're thinking or being asked to co-sign on certain types of debt, whether it's being added onto a credit card to help up someone's um, you know, amount that they can use on a credit card, or if it is a car loan or a mortgage or anything like that, just know that you know that debt, if something happens to the other person, is also now stuck on you. And so just really keep in mind, and vice versa, if somebody, you know, um, something happens to you, that person is also still stuck with the debt. If they, you know, sometimes I know, especially with credit card points and whatnot, people are adding, and there is a difference. Again, I'm not a credit <laughs> attorney, but I do know that there is a little bit of a difference of like the owner of the credit card and then an authorized user. But you got to make sure that you're understanding the definitions that that credit card is using because they all have their own different terms and definitions of what they consider who's responsible. Yeah. And just to tie back to the life insurance conversation, sometimes, you know, that's it's to cover those debts too right. in that regard. It's just to tie that back. Uh, but then just sort of a, a comment on overall financial planning. We have a lot of clients who come in and they've actually done wonderfully sort of what we call self-investing and, 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 and they're sort of their own financial person. But there there is something uh, very strongly to be said about a solid, trustworthy advisor getting in the mix, especially as we're looking at retirement planning and, and, and potentially long-term care planning. We always say, you know, you don't know what you don't know. And, and there are certain things that a professional advisor can be crucial and and really kind of turn the tides in certain situations. So we, we can't speak strongly enough about quality advising. I was just on a Zoom this afternoon um, and they were talking about how the he was a financial advisor and he did have his mother had a long term care policy and. He was saying, yes, it was expensive, you know, and, and people are nervous about that is it's very expensive. And back a while, it used to be use it or lose it. There are some now that are different and hybrid. And you can learn about that with a insurance agent. But um, he, the policy for his mother has really come into play really well because it allows, she now has some memory issues and needs some more care. And he's also working full time and has a family. That long-term care policy is paying for daily adult daycare for her to go and, you know, be stimulated, use her memory, you know, and, and be in a place that's safe for her to be without having to yet be transitioned into an assisted living or a nursing home. It's a nice, happy medium that that long-term care policy is uh, covering. And also he was saying that there's um, a statistic out there that if you're a caregiver, generally that adult <laughs> – child caregiver or niece or nephew or whatever spends on average $7,200 a year on the loved one that they're taking care of because you're picking up the prescriptions and the groceries and most people in this situation are not looking to be reimbursed so they don't even up oh, grabbing this and you add up all that after a year and the average is about $7,200 a year that's being spent in addition to them already providing for for their family as well yeah so one thing that you can do outside of your physical document estate planning is also meet 
with an advisor. Whether you already have one, you know, schedule your yearly review or uh, look for someone. And, you know, estate planning attorneys, we often have colleagues that we work with. Now, there's no kickback. There's no connection. There's nothing like that. We just believe in making, you know, open-ended recommendations to folks who we have worked with in the past. We know that they're uh, solid, quality, knowledgeable, uh, and, and have set our clients up for success. So there's, it's, get a recommendation, essentially. And just like we, you know, we focus on estate planning and elder law. It's what we know the most about and we stay most educated about. Um, your financial advisor may be able to do insurance or you might need a separate insurance agent as well. I mean, there's so much information out there and you can only hold so much information in your brain. And as lawyers, we call ourselves lifelong learners. There is nothing wrong with having a meeting, asking your questions. You will find that these these advisors, we say we nerd out over this stuff. We love to educate. And if you work with us, wonderful. But uh, if, if we've given you some some food for thought and some things to think about, that that also helps us sleep at night too. So don't feel like, oh, I don't, this person's going to charge me for a consult. Maybe they will, you know, if you've got some pretty hard, very specific questions, that makes sense. But there's nothing wrong with getting some information. And so then once you have that information and you've, you know, started to get your plan into place, another consideration that is a part and can be tailored into your estate plan, but you need to think of for your beneficiaries is any possible special needs planning. If you have a beneficiary that is on some benefits due to the fact that they maybe can't work or they can only work limited hours, um, it is important to take that into consideration as to how you're planning for them. Because if somebody gets just $2,000, that could kick them off their benefits. And what if they're getting housing? That's going to kick them out of their housing. And how long is that going to last them? Two weeks? And then they're needing to reapply for all these benefits again. They've lost their spot on lists. And so it's really crucial to really keep in mind the current place of your beneficiaries and and who you're leaving to or even their future if they're young but you you already know that they will need some assistance in the future then it's important to plan for that now this is something that's so crucial if i mean you know if you are the caregiver for for someone if you're a guardian you're a court nominated guardian conservator uh, if you are the trustee for someone with a um, supplemental or special needs trust you become the expert in in this and you 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 tend just by through experience know the ins and outs of what you can do in these types of capacities but if you are incapacitated or deceased we we also have to give knowledge to those coming in after the fact of the things that you do in the day to day that probably seems second nature um, it's it's also important to leave things like you know, along with the legal documentation that goes with saying, but also without saying, uh, making sure that you're leaving memos and information uh, just as you would for, for a minor child or anything of that nature. So these types of considerations um, can often be, I don't want to say an afterthought, but there's just so much that, that clients are thinking about. And then on top of it, it's just another thing that tends to kind of just, just kind of stay off to the side. And these might be conversations that you might need to have with either your siblings or your children, if it's grandchildren, um, if if you you know are uncertain about whether or not they are either receiving benefits or they might be in the future, then it's important to have these conversations to ensure that you're properly planning. Um, you know, it can be 
there are certain things that come up even in, in school, elementary school, when some child's born, whatever, you you realize that, you know what, they might need a little extra help. And so let's plan for that rather than risk it and and really leave everything in in the air for them to possibly lose any benefits that they could be receiving. And then one thing that again kind of goes understated is so you've done all the planning, you've 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 done the physical documents, you've got your portfolio or your binder or whatever it might be. Um, a lot of the common questions that we get are where does this stuff live? What do I do with it? So having a contingency plan for where these documents will physically live. Lots of estate planning attorneys will give you your original documents and then you are responsible for their safekeeping. So we've, we've mentioned this in the past of different things, but where does it live in your house? Uh, does it go in the file cabinet? Uh, is it in the back of the closet? Is it in the, the safe? And who has access to those things? So that's part of the plan. You know where it doesn't go, the safe deposit box at the bank. <laughs> Do not put your estate plan in a safe deposit box at the bank. Yeah, that was I think very at this old point, school. Yeah. But that is not something that should occur. And anymore. nothing against banks. Safe deposit boxes are useful for what they're useful for. Just not in But we don't plan. typically recommend your estate plan. In, in a nutshell, I have to ask as someone who has no idea why we wouldn't do that. Why would you not do that? <laughs> so. The joke is that nobody dies during banking hours. Exactly. <laughs> That's exactly it. Like and if that. there's a health emergency, it, it's not going to be. It's not nine, easy. Eight to, you know, yeah. nine to four. I mean, we were just talking about it the other day. Just getting to the bank to do a deposit for the business. It's like, oh, I had meetings all day. Now it's quarter to four and I'm not going to make it to the bank and they close at four. <laughs> like, so their banking hours are so tr- strict and short now that when these emergencies are happening, you're not getting to that bank, to that safe deposit box. Yeah. And then the result is you need to get a court order to drill through the box because no one has a key or access to it right, or, you know, the person th- who yeah. put it in there is most likely the person who's not able to get it. Exactly. Out. Exactly. Spot on. Yep. Okay. Well, and question answered. Thank you very much <laughs> for that. I just learned it. It did something. <laughs> so just some, you know, final thoughts and recapping everything. We want to encourage you to seek out professional advice from an attorney we would love that to be us if you have enjoyed our shows um you know call our office 781-971-5900 set up a a free 15-minute call ask the questions that you might still be wondering we want to help you feel comfortable and understand and answer those questions so please feel free to call us i want to just give another reminder or if you have been listening this whole time or if you're just joining us for 2024 we are doing a legacy journal prompt each week on our social media so that's instagram facebook linkedin search us at legacy legal planning and it'll be on tuesdays we will be giving a prompt for you to write we recommend getting a journal a bound journal that you can write in and leave these stories we're going to be giving just some type of prompt each week to help leave your legacy for your loved ones to be able to read and think about and so this week's prompt was tell us about a holiday write about a holiday mishap that you still laugh about today We think that this is a fun one where we just got past the holidays and I'm sure there are some things that might have happened in your family that you would like to leave on that story as well to the legacy. So thank you so much for listening to us this evening. Again, find us at Legacy Legal Planning on Instagram, LinkedIn, and Facebook. Our website is LegacyLegalPlanning.com. 
please call us at 781-971-5900 and set up a 15-minute call with us to just discuss some options. And we appreciate you listening to Legacy Legal Live on WMEX. The content presented in this radio show, hosted by the attorneys of Legacy Legal Planning, LLC, is intended for educational purposes only. It does not constitute legal advice, and listeners are strongly advised not to rely on the information provided for specific legal decisions. Legacy Legal Planning, LLC, and its attorneys are not responsible for any actions taken based on the content of this show. For personalized legal advice, listeners are encouraged to consult with a duly licensed attorney in their respective state.